Yankees Files podcast. We are back. I'm Will Harris. You're Alec Whipple. And today, the rest of you are fans of the first place team in the American League East, a team that has the American League MVP on it, a team that could clinch the American League East with a win tonight in Toronto. We're about an hour and a half out from that as we are recording this. Um, Whipple, this could be a big week, or really even just a big day for the New York Yankees after they just went undefeated between podcasts. How are you feeling about this team? I mean, pretty good. Like, there's no other way to describe the week they just had as anything other than a success. Maybe the fact that Aaron Judge didn't hit his 61st home run counts as a, a slight disappointment. But I think after the way he hit his 60th home run on Tuesday, um, it's <laughs> that's so far out of the minds of, you know, actual Yankees fans. That's more of what the media cares about. As you said, we know he's the American League MVP and it will probably be unanimous, as I predicted on the last podcast. As but it should be. Wh- what a week. It, it just felt good to watch a team do everything right every single game. And we watched that team already this year. We watched three months of that team. And it, for the first time, even when they were playing well recently, you know, this was the first stress-free week of baseball. And the first time it really felt like we were back to that point where we were in June and, you know, early July, where we said the team didn't have anything else to prove. They're back there and it couldn't have come at a better time. And, you know, it came at exactly the right time to lock up the division. But in terms of the big picture, you know, they're heading into the postseason or they will be in a week or so on a really, really good stretch of play. And considering where they were a few weeks ago, uh, I think the, the feelings around this team have changed a lot in a short amount of time, as we knew they could. But, you know, it, it just feels nice to actually see that play out on the field as opposed to having to imagine the circumstances that could get you to that point. Yeah, so I mean, let's think back. After the game on Saturday the 17th in Milwaukee where the Yankees got dominated by Brandon Woodruff, you know, the lead in the division was only four and a half games. Um, And of course, they won on Sunday, scored a bunch of runs. They went into Tuesday and... They, it looked like the lead was going to go back down to four and a half games. Uh, you know, they were down eight to four in the bottom of the ninth. And if it wasn't for Aaron Judge hitting his 60th home run and then Giancarlo Stanton hitting a walk-off grand slam, the Yankees could have been in big trouble. Um, and yet they had the quick two-game sweep of Pittsburgh, came out, beat Boston 5-4 a couple of times, uh, then 7-5, and then 2 nothing in the rain-shortened game. And suddenly the Yankees are up eight and a half games in the division. Uh, Tampa has fallen out of second place. Toronto's now in second place, which is why the Yankees can win the division with a win in Toronto tonight. Um, you know, they're 94-58. and 58. They didn't win 94 games all of last year. Uh, there's just a lot to feel positive about. And I think, you know, something that was met with some skepticism on Twitter, and we will get into the fact that we were the main characters of baseball Twitter today. Um, You know, the Yankees were only three and a half games up after they lost that first game in New York to the Rays um, on Friday, September 9th, uh, in, you know, what has become the Aaron Hicks game. Um, Since then... They're 11 and two. Like this, this team is going back on the kind of stretch that we needed it to have. And um, it's just, it's really refreshing to see them play this way. But like things were in doubt. The Yankees had a 15 and a half game lead shrink to three and a half games, and they deserve credit for growing it back up to eight and a half. Uh, yeah. You know, they play in an incredibly strong division. There are four teams above 500. There are three teams that are going to make the playoffs. Um, no other division in baseball can say that, and this is what we went viral for. But, you know, with 10 games left in the season to be 94-58 and 58 with an 8.5-game lead, you know, all but guaranteed the two-seed in the playoffs, I think we would have all signed up for that. After last year, given how good this division is, given how weak the AL West is, it was going to be really hard to clinch home field advantage. Like, the best season in recent Yankees history was 103 wins, and that wouldn't do it. So, you know, you have to be reasonable about what you expect, regardless of how good the start was. They've played great as of late. It sounds like the cavalry is continuing to be on its way. We got positive news about LeMayhew, about Benintendi, about Carpenter. Uh, the guys who are up are playing well. Um, 
there's just a lot to be excited about. And I think this week we kind of saw things come together in a nice way for the first time in a while. And look, Whipple, there are only three series left this year. Regular season's really winding down. Crazy. It's crazy. And one, you know, one comparison, you know, you said they didn't win 94 games all of last year. And it really seemed like this team was looking to go the way of last year's teams with their the massive inconsistency and essentially, you know, clenching a defeat from the jaws of victory in so many ways. And last year at this time, the Yankees were staring down the face of an absolutely brutal season-ending nine-game stretch. I mean, to have to go to Boston, Toronto, and then play Tampa at home, it's a miracle they made the postseason. And credit to the 2021 Yankees. I mean, their most impressive performance, as I've said, was that end-of-season road trip that they went 5-1 and one on. Compared to what we are looking at right now, which is essentially a week and a half of games that don't mean anything against Toronto, but then Baltimore and Texas. And it's no wonder that this team's championship aspirations are higher for multiple reasons. You know, having getting to avoid the wild card round is a big plus, but just the way that they can treat these games last year, it was, you know, every single inning of those games counted. I mean, the Stanton grand slam, the Sunday night baseball game, the yep. uh, go ahead home runs off Robbie, right? Like those were playoff baseball games in the end of September and that team entered the wild card game and it's a one game, you know, random, whatever happens, happens. There's some element of luck, but you can't tell me that team was set up for success if they made it past that wild card game, just based on the absolutely brutal stretch of baseball they had to play. And that was because of, you know, what they had done to themselves earlier in the year, how they followed up the 13 game winning streak with, you know, some absolutely terrible series mm-hmm. in late August, early September. Now this team, you know, we, we, we now it seems different and they have a very nice week of baseball set up to rest guys plus basically another week off before the ALDS. It seems different, but like you said, they were on the precipice of getting right back to that position. And this team, while it won't have the opportunity for good reason to have those impressive series ending, you know, season ending series on the road against playoff level opponents, they arguably did something more impressive, which was, you know, they saw the adversity ahead of them. They, they were barreling down that path and then they turned it around essentially on a dime. And the strength of schedule has some level to do with that. You know, the Rays and the Blue Jays were beating up on each other. The Yankees were playing Boston and Pittsburgh, but it's not like last year's Yankees were able to beat the bad teams. And there is a really, you know, feasible scenario in which the Yankees are fighting for their playoff lives in Toronto tonight. Like we're looking at these games in Toronto as just as important, if not more important as the games last year. And it would have been such a catastrophe and, you know, credit to this team for taking the steps to avoid that to one, secure themselves a playoff spot, but also to secure themselves a playoff spot that they're actually going to be ready to play baseball for. I mean, from now until October 11th, they are going to be able to, mix and match, you know, rest guys to give guys, you know, innings, uh, not restrictions, but to shorten their starts, to do everything they want to to make sure they're ready to hit ALDS game one running. And that's just such an important distinction in my mind. And while it seems like last year's team, you know, at the end of the day, probably played more intense games in September, I think the credit to this year's team and why they are better, despite, you know, it looking kind of shaky sometimes is that, they won those important games before they mattered. You know, they didn't lose. The, they lost some games down the stretch in August. But when it when it really came time to it, they were able to win the games against Tampa. They were able to beat up on the bad teams. And once the guys came back and were healthy, I mean, we saw this week what a fully functioning lineup looks like, you know, without some guys, but a more or less fully functioning lineup. And they're able to score runs again. I mean, it's kind of a miracle, but it makes a lot of sense if you look at, you know, who's playing well, who's actually hitting I said on Twitter, when Glaber Torres is hitting, the Yankees usually do well, mm-hmm. and I think his resurgence is a huge part of why they're doing well. But just all these little things that uh, this year's team should be taken so much more seriously than last year's team because they they won before it counted. I, I think that's kind of the, the takeaway I have from this last week and what it'll be interesting to think about in the next few weeks because the next game, tonight's games are important, but you know once they win one, it basically is, you know, foot off the gas until October and um, a lot of time to think about how to set themselves up and that last year's team didn't have that and it hurt them and it would have hurt them likely if they had, were able to advance. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you nailed a lot of that. What I'd like to point out about this team is that rumors of its demise were grossly overstated. Um, you know, 
the Yankees, let's let's just take stock of where they are. They score the second most runs per game of any major league team behind the Dodgers by 0.2 runs. They have the second best uh, run differential of any team behind the Dodgers. Uh, they outscore their opponents by an average of one and a half runs per game. That's better than the Astros. It's better than the Braves. It's better than the Mets. They have the second best Pythagorean win-loss in baseball. They, uh, Baseball reference has a luck metric, which is just the difference between your win-loss and your Pythagorean win-loss. The Yankees are the unluckiest team in baseball by that metric, losing six, or sorry, the second unluckiest. Uh, the, the Rangers are the unluckiest. Uh, their Pythagorean win-loss is eight wins better than their actual win-loss. The Yankees... Uh, per baseball reference, should be at 100 wins already. Um, compare that to the Mets, who are the luckiest team in baseball by Pythagorean win-loss. Um, you know, the Yankees have done a lot of stuff really well. They have the fifth-best ERA in baseball against teams that are above 500, and they have the fifth-best OPS in baseball against teams that are above 500. They've played really well. Uh, there's there's a lot to like, and I know they had a bad stretch during which a lot of people were injured, um, but it doesn't change the fact that they have the second best, the second most WAR from pitchers in all of baseball, the second most or in in the American League, the second most WAR from hitters in all of baseball. Um, you know, guys getting hot at the right time, uh, and I think we can start talking about what we went viral for earlier on Twitter, which is you posted a tweet. Wait, can I just add something quickly yeah. before we move on? Do you know how many games, and I'm just doing a quick check on my math, you know how many games the Yankees have lost by more than five runs this year? Well, it Very few. I'm pretty sure it's four. And <laughs> that Because I just, before we get off the topic, and I could be wrong, you know, this is a quick cursory check. It's not much more or much less than that. Mm -hmm. I think just one thing I wanted to add about the Pythagorean record the reason they're so unlucky is because they've lost so many close games this year. I mean, that whole July and August yep. downstretch, they were all close games. This team isn't getting blown out at all, and I think that's what people were trying to distinguish. It, because, yes, it was really tough when you're not scoring runs to win games. But if this team truly was off the rails in a collapse, they would have been being blown out. You know, they were not getting blown out. The games all were competitive to a certain extent. The, you know, this team just had some bad luck in – the dog days of the summer. And I think when we look back on it, I hope we'll look at it as an outlier, but it definitely is not indicative of their performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was, I think, you know, between that and the run differential, that is what kind of kept me positive about this team the whole time. So Whipple, it looks like there are six games this year that the Yankees have lost by five runs or more and only three that they've lost by more than five runs. So pretty freaking good. Pretty freaking good. Pretty good. Um, so we went viral earlier because you tweeted that it's impressive that the Yankees have... Um, that the Yankees have played in the toughest division in baseball and are on pace for 100 wins, and that as a result of the narratives around them in the second half, they're going to go into the playoffs severely underrated. And people really keyed in on the best division in baseball thing, and we caught a lot of flack for it. So what did we do? We went to the stats, and the stats show that the American League East is the best division in baseball. So the American League East is the only division in baseball of four teams with winning percentages of 500 or better. Uh, it has the highest cumulative winning percentage in Major League Baseball at 545. Uh, the NL West is next at 525, followed by the NL East at 512. If you take out the first place team, so you stop giving the you know NL West and AL West credit for having the Astros and Dodgers and being pretty bad otherwise you find that the AL East has a 526 winning percentage. So the AL East without the Yankees still has a higher winning percentage than any other division in baseball when it has its first place team. 
So the idea that there's some debate about what the toughest division is in baseball uh, is ridiculous. And people tried to come at us on Twitter and say that because the AL East isn't in question, it can't be the toughest division. Well, of course it can. What the Yankees are doing could just be really good. Yeah. I mean, the the way to judge the toughness of a division, despite what people, I think some people were saying, is... I mean, it's not based on half of the division. It's based on the entirety of the division and how tough all of the games that you have to play against your division opponents are, how tough that competition is. And the AL East, just top to bottom, is the best. I mean, I get that the Mets and the Braves are, you know, collectively just as good as the Yankees, and there are two of them, not one of them at the top. But at the bottom of the division, I mean, I went to enough Nationals games this year to conclusively say the Nationals are the worst team in baseball. And the Marlins are not far behind. And meanwhile, you have a Red Sox team that was in contention for the early summer. You have an Orioles team that's going to win over 80 games. And then Toronto and Tampa. And Toronto, sorry, Tampa in third place is slightly better than Philly in third place. And so you're telling me the difference between Toronto and Atlanta is enough to make up for the fact that every other matchup, you know, first, if you want to do it like that, is basically a wash or conclusively better in the AL East direction. It doesn't make sense because when you argue the toughness of the division, you're looking at when you know your games against all of the opponents. If we if we were to say the best two teams in the American League East are better than the best two teams in the National League East, then yes, you'd probably be wrong because the that Atlanta Toronto comparison favors Atlanta. But that's not what we said, and I don't know why Mets fans feel like they have this chip on their shoulder. It's okay to say that the AL East has collectively been tougher than the NL East. And also saying that the Mets are dealing with a greater challenge right now than the Yankees are dealing with in the division. And I will, you know, (laughs) I will also say that I wouldn't be too sure how Atlanta's pitching would hold up against Toronto in the playoffs. But that's another (laughs) story. I I just think that the Yankees consistently play games against opponents who are better than those the Mets consistently play games against in their division. Like, there's no other. The stats that you showed, that's the story. There's no other story. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's just true that the mm-hmm. Yankees play more difficult schedule than the Mets or the Braves. Um, and I think like you need not look any further than the fact that the Red Sox have the hardest schedule in Major League Baseball because they're the last place team in the toughest division. So if you want to talk about average quality of opponent, the Red Sox have the toughest one. Because they play four above 500 teams. Anytime they're playing a division opponent, they're playing a team that's above 500. And I would also add, the Red Sox are 20 and 46 in the American League East. They win games at a 98 win per 162 pace when they're not playing the AL East. So the idea that the AL East is in some way not the strongest division in baseball or the toughest division to win in baseball is ridiculous. There's there's also one other point, and... I know we're talking about this year's stats, but I think the division as a whole also is like you prepare for the division based on previous stats. You prepare Mm -hmm. based on how your opponents did last year and how you know they're going to do or expectations. And the fact that this division had 94, 91 teams last year and this year it was reasonable to expect one of or four, you know, combinations of two or three or even four teams to make the playoffs. I mean, look at people's playoff predictions and, any any one of the any combination of the four that did not involve Baltimore was probably predicted by someone. Yep. And then you have Baltimore playing as well as they have. So you as an American League East team, you basically have to be ready for that competition. Meanwhile, in the National League East, I get that the Braves won the World Series last year, but the division winner had eighty eight wins and mm-hmm. you basically came in assuming that, you know, if you were a ninety plus win team it was you're basically walking into the division title and I get that this year's performance is more important but I, I just think the mentality of how you have to play these games is important the American League East routinely sends two or three teams and now potentially even four with the third wild card to the playoffs and over in the National League we have you know the Phillies and the Marlins are in playoff droughts the Nationals are terrible now and the Mets are you know having their first good year in six years it's just what you expect, what you prepare for on a day-to-day basis in the division. There's no competition in my mind. The fifth place team in the American League East was in the ALCS last year. Right. <laughs> right. Two wins from the World Series. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all That's all you need to know. Right. Um, I mean, but the fifth place team in the National League East did win the World Series more recently than any of the American League East teams. So maybe that's a point in their favor. Yeah, but they were terrible last year and they're terrible this year. 
They are pretty bad. Um, I would also just hearkening back to that stat that you had earlier, the Astros have lost 13 games by five runs or more and eight games by six runs or more. So, um, I mean, the, the, this, there's this widespread idea that the Yankees and Astros are in just completely different leagues and that, uh, you know, August is everything you need to know about the Yankees. And I think they've recently disproved that. I mean, they're like 15 and four in their last 19 games, which is very good. Um, they're they're going to win the division, hopefully tonight. Like, I just, I, I didn't want to come on this podcast and talk about how the Yankees aren't getting enough credit, but I think your tweet was right. I think people forgot how good this team is during a period of like bad luck and injuries. And I strongly advise people against that. And I think, you know, we saw what happened with the pre- uh, the predictions at the beginning of the season. Everyone had the Blue Jays dominating the AL East and winning the American League and winning the World Series uh, just because it seemed like they might be better than they were last year. As if everyone forgot that, like, everyone on the Yankees had their worst possible season at the same time and they were hurt all year. Like, I just, I I want this team to get more respect because this team mm-hmm. has been consistently one of the best teams in baseball all year. And uh, they're running away with the toughest division in baseball. And they have the MVP and they have Garrett Cole and they're really freaking good. And I'll... Get off my soapbox because there are some other guys and some other things that I want to talk about. But I just I think it, this is a great time of year to be feeling this good about this team. And if people want to underrate them, they can do so at their own risk. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll say is there are teams that have absolutely backslid into the playoffs and won in the 80, you know, 80 something wins or been really good and won 95 wins, but lost like their last six games. And those teams go on to win the World Series. I refuse to believe that that's indicative. And if that's yeah. not indicative, then a team that, you know, it, winning a lot in September after losing in August, like, that's that's almost the arc you'd want the season to take. So, like, there's no right way to do this, but I feel like the midsummer, the slump in the time that is literally called the dog days because everybody <laughs> half-asses it, and then peaking at this time is – exactly what you'd want out of a team I refuse to believe that their August play is a bad thing and I'm only saying that because they're playing much better now I mean if they were playing if they're playing as bad as they were in August they this would probably be a different conversation because they wouldn't be leading their division but this team is peaking at the right time I mean everyone said they peaked too early and now they're peaking again so maybe you know there's Again, no right way to do this, but I feel like the path they're on and, you know, if they win the World Series, we look back and see. I feel like it's a pretty good path to be on. The slump came at the right time. Speaking of peaking at the right time, Glaber Torres has a 175 WRC plus and 1.1 war this month. Uh, He has 2.4 war on the season. He's really basically completely changed the narrative around his season in these last couple weeks. His uh, WRC plus is back up to 114. He's slugging um, 582 in that time. He's carried the Yankees to a couple of wins. He's hit a number of huge home runs. He hit two in an inning the other night, which was pretty cool uh, after Aaron Judge was walked in the most cowardly fashion I've ever seen. Um, Glaber Torres is just doing a lot of good things. And especially with the doubt surrounding DJ LeMahieu, I know he's been hitting on the field recently, and I saw it reported that he was taking ground balls uh, earlier today. But Glaber Torres has, first of all, I think, secured his postseason lineup spot. But second of all, really given the Yankees' production at a position where they needed it, because between the DJ LeMahieu injury and Glaber's really bad start to the second half, Second base was turning from a strength of this team into a black hole. And I think we ought to be very happy with what Glaber has provided lately. And I would argue, given, you know, the questions that have, I think, surfaced about LeMahieu's health, given last year and given what's happened recently, uh, given Josh Donaldson's age and the variability in his production, I think Glaber has making a strong case that while it's been kind of discussed a lot, the Yankees ought to look at keeping him around beyond this year. Uh, I know he's a popular item in trade talks, but if this is the version of Glaber Torres the Yankees are going to get, you know, even the, you know, 
what basically like 2.7 war per 600 PA 115 WRC plus version, not the version they got in the first half or the version they've gotten since the beginning of September, but the total package, this is a valuable player. And I don't know that the Yankees can give him up unless they're getting something really good in return. Which I don't think they would get something better than they would give up in him. I agree. And I I think there's, I mean, again, I I think our opinions might differ on the offseason. I don't really want to talk about the offseason because just having so much fun watching baseball right now. But for purposes of right now, I mean, the the Yankees have settled into what I think is a relatively locked lineup for, you know, like it's as consistent Mm -hmm. as the Yankees are going to get because, or at least for this year, they've definitely done a lot of moving people around and trying people in different spots. And when your your second baseman is batting third and, you know, it's a 25 home run threat and is playing good defense, like that is an incredibly valuable player. And there's definitely reasons that other teams might not find that same value in him. But the good version of Glaber Torres is is a spark plug for the Yankees. I mean, they have a lot of guys who are, you know, older, slower, like they have good defensively, but don't have the same pop in their bat. And we've said it all year, when they're going to run out guys who don't have that pop in their bat, they need the guys who have pop to have the pop. And we know Judge is going to hit home runs. We know Stanton will occasionally, you know, when he's not in a massive slump. But I feel like Glaber is just the this wild card that, as I said, again, on Twitter, when he is going well, it's like almost lines up perfectly with how the Yankees are playing. And it's just, it's so important, I think, because it gives them that additional lineup depth. Um, it gives them that extra power bat to, you know, not have to rely on the big guys all the time. And it's like it's just a good energy. I mean, that's what we've seen with Cabrera. Sometimes like the energy of a team is even more important than their statistics. But if you're going to run Josh Donaldson out at cleanup, I just don't understand how you think Glaber Torres is like, how is Glaber Torres any worse than that? And it will be really yeah. interesting to see when, if LeMahieu comes back at this point, I'm leaning towards the fact that they just keep running this lineup out or being very conservative with LeMahieu. I feel like this might be the lineup and they try to work in LeMahieu when possible. And I don't think I would have said that a week ago. I feel like the closer and closer we get, the more and more I believe it, given all the things that you said, um, but Glaber just he's a special player when he's going right. And this year, if you look at his numbers, more often than not, he's going right. I mean, he has yeah. five, you know, I mean, I know April wasn't great, but largely from the beginning of the season to the all-star break. And then in September, I mean, he's had that old power. He's had the the um, WRC plus that you'd want out of him. And again, it's like the Yankees. Like, would you rather have him slump and rebound? Um, or would you, you know, like, I'm not going to hold the slump against him if he's going to rebound and exactly. this team needs him. It, it need, I don't, I feel like right now I like, I, my opinions about Glaber have been probably more variable than yours, but I feel like now I like look at the facts and I'm like this team, like, Oh my God, this team does not play well when Glaber is not playing well. Like look at last September when he switched mm-hmm. to second, figured it out. This team started playing well. This is like my, maybe my Glaber revelation, but <laughs> my like I just feel like his success and the Yankees success is so tied up in a way that like it's just hard to take him out of a lineup and still have it be successful like the LeMahieu Donaldson second third combo I just don't have that same confidence given everything we know about their health but just give it Glaber Torres as this enigma who has really can have an impact on games like I feel like you you you've almost converted me at least to that part of it. Like this team, the 2022 Yankees cannot be good without Glaber Torres being in that lineup. You got to believe in him, man. Uh, he's he's a good player, and I've I you know I'm not gonna just pat myself on the back for saying I believe this the whole time, even though it's well documented that I did. Um, no, you got to take your victory laps. Like I will take my Benintendi victory lap, <laughs> and you can take your Glaber Torres. Victory lap. I think Labor Torres throughout the history of this pod is probably the one player you've been, you've stuck to your guns on. Yeah. And I have vacillated a ton. And I give you credit. Like, you've Thank had you. the confidence in him when I probably haven't. And I keep getting proven wrong. So now I'm going to blindly follow you and we'll see where it leads. Good. Hey, I, uh, I guess there is a chance that part of his success comes from you doubting him, but I'd rather, I'd rather having you support him. <laughs> Uh, speaking of other guys who are hot at the right time, um, Oswaldo Cabrera seems like he can hit major league pitching now. Um, you know, he came up on August 17th in the Josh Donaldson walk-off grand slam game 
and he hit 235 with a 74 WRC plus. In September, he's been he's basically been an everyday player since he came up. But in September, he's basically played every day. Uh, he's hitting 232, but the the power's shown up, and he's slugging 464. He has a 121 WRC plus. He's shown some good plate discipline, walking you know 11 and a half percent of the time, and that's in a span of almost 80 plate appearances now. Uh, you know, the BABIP is under 300. It's not off the charts by any means. He's poked a couple homers. Um, I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing out of Oswaldo Cabrera, and his defensive versatility is just amazing. The fact that he had hardly ever played left field in his life, and then they just stuck him over there when Harrison Bader came back at the beginning of the week, and now he's the starting left fielder for the Yankees. Uh, I mean, we were talking, I guess it was last week, about how Cabrera has probably earned a spot on the playoff roster. I think at this point it's impossible to leave him off. He He's a spark in the Yankees lineup. He's one of their most productive bats. I mean, Josh Donaldson, since the walk-off Grand Slam, has a 115 WRC+. Plus. Oswaldo Cabrera has a 121 since the beginning of September. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who just seems to have figured things out at the right time. He is just a pleasure to watch, first of all. I mean, I don't remember the last Yankee we saw having this much fun playing baseball, and he's doing really well at a particularly crucial time. Um, look, you never know what you're going to get out of your rookies in the playoffs, but uh, I feel really comfortable with Oswaldo Cabrera being in this lineup. I was DMing with friend of the podcast, Ryan Garcia, on Instagram the other day uh, after Cabrera's homer, and... Ryan said, uh, and I think he'll be fine with me saying this, he said if Benintendi comes back, Cabrera should be the shortstop in the playoffs. And I think there's a really good argument that if left field is occupied, we got to find somewhere for Oswaldo to play. Yeah, and it, it's just, one, so much fun to watch him. I mean, there, I can't remember the last time, well, one, as you said, they we had the fun watching a young player, but also they've given him so much rope and he has rewarded them at almost every turn and compare that to how they've treated Peraza. It I've said this before. I'll say it again, how they act with a player says so much more to me than what they say about him. And I like, honestly, after these last few weeks, like the fact that they trust him that much versus Peraza, I would honestly be more surprised if Peraza was in the opening day lineup than Cabrera next year. Like I think Peraza's like a goner well okay I shouldn't say that I think relatively speaking like I think there's more of a chance Peraza is in a trade or kept down but I feel like Cabrera is just like they trust him so much kind of out of nowhere and I think he's kind of carved out a long-term future with this team I even tie it back I mean beginning of September I tie it back to the walk-off single against the Twins since that date hitting you know 294 with almost a thousand OPS and I feel like that walk-off hit came at the end of a, a long offer and it was kind of yep. like for a young player a, a mental uh, relief to get that offer eliminated and to help your team win a game and since then I just feel like his bat has matched the defense that we saw at the beginning and have continued to see but like Jesus Christ like the fact that they put a rookie in a position he's never played basically twice because he had barely played right field um, that shows you how highly they think of him and, you know, it makes me think about how they view Peraza, but, it, you know, that's less important than the fact that it's really cool that they just put the reins in this kid's hands and he rewarded them. And now he is going to be batting in the middle of a playoff lineup. As for shortstop, like, I would totally be on board. Um, I just, I don't know why I would not be confident that for some reason I feel like IKF is going to stand in the way of literally anything, but maybe we found the one thing that they would view better than IKF, the one person. Like, we, all year we've put up these alternative options, solutions, trade targets. Maybe it's just Oswaldo Cabrera playing literally every other position and being good <laughs> and then getting forced into shortstop. This might be how we have to win this. Um, it might be. But he's going to be in that lineup one way or another. So Yeah, he's I you nailed it as far as I'm concerned. He's just been too good. He's been too valuable. The Yankees... By playing him at, you know, every infield position in left field and right field, they're showing us what they think about him. And I think, you know, you've been absolutely correct about that evaluation. Don't listen to what the Yankees say about a player. Watch how they use that player. And that is in spite of the fact that 
Oswald Peraza is playing good defense at shortstop, basically hitting 300, 400, 400, uh, has like a 140 WRC plus. They clearly don't want to play him every day. And I don't know what all is going into that. I thought you had an interesting tweet uh, the other day where you said, look, it's not necessarily better for Peraza to be in Scranton than to be with the team while they're going through a playoff run, uh, you know, in a pennant chase. I think that was, you know, and you said, look at what they did with Jeter in 95. I think there could be something to that. I think there could be something to the idea that they want to show just enough of Peraza at the major league level to boost his trade value a little bit. I think there's, you know, a ton there. I don't know if they would have started a service time clock if they were really set on trading him. But look, there are a million different ways you can analyze that. I think you're right, though. They wouldn't play Oswaldo Cabrera every day for the last two months of the season just to stow him away on the bench in the playoffs. But they absolutely would play Oswaldo Cabrera or Oswald Peraza once a week and then not use him in the playoffs. And I think things are increasingly trending in that direction. But man, it feels good that the guys the Yankees called up made an impact. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you think about the guys who made their debuts this year. Peraza and Cabrera have both been terrific. Cabrera, I think, has been just off the charts. Um, but even, you know, think about some good high-leverage innings we got from Greg Weissert. Think about what Ron Marinaccio has given to this team. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot to like across the board here, and that hasn't always been true in Yankees history. And, you know, the last time we really saw a crop of young players come up together, it was at a time when the Yankees weren't focused on winning. Um you know, you had Judge and Tyler Austin and Gary Sanchez all come up together in 2016, and they had, you know, varying degrees of success and tenure. Um, but this, like, to have guys that you can call up and immediately positively impact a pennant chase, regardless of how much you play them, I think is great. Yeah, and it is interesting because, yeah, like you said, that those guys were coming up in a much different situation for better or worse. And this is so, this is different than the Yankees have a different situation than the Yankees have been in probably since like the 1995, 1996 team, because either they've been bad at player development and good at baseball or bad at baseball and good at player development. And now we've <laughs> yeah. reached the point where they are kind of in that sweet spot in the middle. And you know, I wish that Anthony, I wish they trusted Anthony Volpe enough to put him in because I feel mm -hmm. like he would be one of those guys we're talking about. But, you know, aside from that, yeah, Peraza, Cabrera, the relievers. I mean, this team, I, I think, and what I hope for from this group of young players is because I feel like with that first class, they, they got some hits, but they also, you know, I don't know if they handled every situation correctly. There was some player development misses. And, I feel like no, this yeah. class across the board is, or at least the guys in the pipeline is, you know, it seems more major league ready, which is a good thing for where sure. they are, but like just deeper too. I feel like there's guys they could use as starters and trade pieces who are now pitching in the majors. You, the bullpen arms you talked about, the middle infield options. I mean, there's going to be some outfield and catching slash first base options and Everson Pereira and Austin Wells probably coming up soon. So yep. while it does seem like this is an older team, it also is interesting because it could be a very young and successful team pretty quickly. Um, and it's a credit to them that they have that flexibility where they can play and play in both fields. They don't have to rely on, you know, they can bring in the outside guys, but they can also rely on the call ups prospects. I think there's definitely a lot of questions th this off season as to which direction they go. And some of those will be, you know, judged by how much money they're willing to commit to other people and how high they want their payroll to go. But for, the immediate purpose is the Yankees have never done both aspects of the game in a better position, or at least they haven't done it for decades. And that's pretty cool. Just like on a player development and organizational view. I mean, the, you know, the, a lot of, or, you look at organizational rankings and they tend to go towards, you know, the Dodgers and the teams like the Orioles that have a lot of good players in the farm system. And I know the Yankees aren't at the Dodgers level and it's because they limit themselves in certain ways. But in other ways, they kind of are, and at least like they've brought their player development machine in line with you know having a good club, but also having really good prospects too, turning those prospects into major league assets. Um, so you know, I know we criticize them a lot, but it is it's a good thing I think to do what you did and step back and say you know they are 
pretty good in certain aspects, and there are a lot of good young guys coming up and helping them out right now, and that's a large reason for their success. Yeah, 100%. And I think, um, you know, would it would it be nice to have Anthony Volpe up? Yes. But the Yankees, as far as I'm concerned, were pretty aggressive with Volpe uh, mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Like, he played half the season in high a in 2021 he started the season in double a in 2022 he's finishing the season in triple a uh and you know that i i just feel like for a guy who's not even 21 and a half yet like they're pushing him along nicely it's it wouldn't be surprising if we saw anthony volpe next september um you know jason dominguez is probably going to start the season in double a next year he's you know almost two years younger than Volpe, but probably a year behind him from a, from an organizational perspective, from a prospect perspective. And Anthony Volpe didn't play any games in double A last year. Dominguez is getting a few in. Like, I just, I like that the Yankees are showing some trust in their top prospects. And if you, you know, if you look down the list, like they, the top guys who were in triple A who were producing got opportunities uh, and Oswaldo Cabrera got an opportunity to really be a guy for this team. And I just like to see that philosophy, uh, you know, influencing the moves that this team is making. So, Whipple, I think we'll wrap up just by talking about uh, the playoff roster a little bit. And things have definitely gotten more complicated recently. So, some guys have gotten healthy. Some guys we maybe didn't expect to come back, like Zach Britton, are back. Uh the Yankees, according to Brian Hoke, are hopeful that Matt Carpenter can come back during the uh, final four-game series against the Rangers. Boone basically said, look, we don't know if that can happen, but uh, there seems to be optimism around it. DJ LeMahieu, uh is hitting on the field. He's taking ground balls. Boone said, I think he's going to come back in some way, shape, or form, uh, and then we'll see what we've got, which I think implies he'll come back at some some way, shape, or form in the regular season. Uh, so, you know, there, Andrew Benintendi, I heard, got his stitches out today. So, you know, we haven't heard much about baseball activity, but, you know, those are some impact guys the Yankees could bring back. And I think it's probably time for us to start thinking about how a playoff roster shapes up if, uh, if those guys come back. Now, Am I optimistic that Andrew Benintendi is going to be available for the ALDS? No, but I think with the news that we got today, you might have to build Carpenter and DJ onto that roster. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Carpenter, by especially because his role is kind of like, like what he has to do is not anything crazy. He just has to be nope. able to come off the bench. And if he can't play in the field, just take, you know, maybe be a DH or pinch hitter. Um, I feel like, DJ, I mean, we could envision the same thing. I, I just do feel like DJ's toe injury, from what I've read, is impacting his hitting more. And I don't even Definitely. know if it sounds like it's getting better. Whereas if Carpenter comes back, you know the foot's going to have healed. Um, so I'm almost most optimistic about Carpenter now. And I think it'd be very easy to find a spot for him. And I just, all I keep thinking about is like, a Kirk Gibson level moment for Carpenter. I don't know why my mind. It goes feels there. like it's bound to happen. Right. It does. I mean, he's, it does. he's the mustache. It's, it's helps. the mustache, but it's, it's like, <laughs> that's kind of who he is. I feel like just going to come off the bench and just pop a home run. And um, yeah, it will be interesting. I would be interested to hear your takes on how you, you know, who you're going to kick off for each of those guys. And if, Aaron Hicks is able to hit any more timely home runs to oh my save himself. How ridiculous is it that this is when Aaron Hicks decides to be productive? It's <laughs> of course, like, of course it happens. It only comes when he says something bad. I'm pretty sure like he hit a home run on Sunday after he trashed mm-hmm. everyone in the media. He, I think he said more comments on Friday and then hit a home run again. I mean, yep. if that's what it takes, then <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Aaron Hicks said, basically, I don't want to be on the team anymore and then hit 364 that week with a 271 WRC plus. Yeah, well, <laughs> getting booed worse than anyone on the Red Sox did. Yeah, it's uh that's the Aaron Hicks experience. So, yeah, let's let's talk about the roster. So, I feel like right now, even though, you know, you have people like Hoodie Maben with whom I might agree even with how grim the Carpenter health stuff has been saying you need to start Carpenter if he's available like I just don't think it's in the realm of possibility I 
would support it if Giancarlo Stanton is 15% able to play the outfield. I would support it, but I don't see it happening. Um, so I think the nine are the nine, right? Judge, Rizzo, Torres, Donaldson, Stanton, Cabrera, Bader, IKF, Trevino. I, I mean, they're playing him every day. And at this yeah, point, they're, I would... They're telegraphing. Right. I, I also would give like some weight, considering how late it is in the season, to just guys who are able to play every day versus guys sure. trying to come back. And that's nothing against Carpenter. I just... I mean, yeah, maybe if like somebody's slumping in the playoffs and Carpenter gets a spot start and hits well, change it up. But to start, I think you got to go with the guys who have been playing for the last three weeks. So if we think about the bench, that leaves us a four-man bench. One guy is Kyle Higashioka. Another guy is Tim LaCastro, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So that means for that last spot, you could have as many guys as... Peraza, Gonzalez, Hicks, LeMahieu, Carpenter, and Benintendi. And it's two of those guys. I think I mean, Peraza yeah. is not it. Mm -hmm. um, they really like Aaron Hicks and Marwin Gonzalez. I assume it would be Carpenter and DJ if they're healthy enough to play, yeah. and they would give Benintendi, you know, some more time to figure out if he's actually healthy. Right. Um, but the fact that they really like having a pinch runner really complicates this because what if you have Carpenter, DJ, and Benintendi all healthy? It's not like you're going to leave Oswaldo Cabrera off the roster. Right. And that's I, the I thing. guess you, Are could, you, gonna... you could leave an extra pitcher at home, but I certainly don't see them doing that. Well, it's funny because it's like there's one question. Are they healthy? And then the second question, are they starting? Yeah. And if they're healthy, you know, I would – Almost like, yeah, if, I would like if they're healthy, I kind of almost want Cabrera off the bench, but then I don't really want Cabrera off the bench. Exactly. I think his skill set is good for the bench. It is really, it's more interesting than I think they've had uh, questions for a playoff roster in a while. And I think right now you have to operate like it's going to be Hicks and Gonzalez, and then whoever's healthy will just bump them. Mm -hmm. um, like yeah. assuming no one is healthy. And it seems like at least some of them are healthy. So. I feel like Hicks gets cut first, but then also, like, I would rather have Hicks off the bench in a close situation. Like, Gonzalez, when yeah. do you want Gonzalez? You want, <laughs> he's a, if he has any value, which we've established his value is playing every position, and I will concede there is value in that in the regular season. But they already but, have that guy. It's Oswaldo right. Cabrera. They used him in the regular season. Yeah. Like, if Oswaldo Cabrera's only value was playing every position, I probably would say he shouldn't be on the roster either. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a regular season value point. So... But some part of me is like, they're going to keep Gonzalez over Hicks. I don't know. It's so hard to say. So but, anyway, we'll yeah. keep an eye on that situation as it develops. On the pitcher side, uh, Frankie Montas did go on the IL. So you have Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, and Jamison Tyone are your four starters, I think we assume. Yeah. Okay. You have nine other spots. Also, they're four really good starters. Oh, so. four phenomenal starters. <laughs> and people will disagree. <laughs> people, just, people will disagree, and those yeah. people will be wrong. So you have nine other guys. Right now, the nine guys in the Yankee bullpen are Holmes, Luizaga, Efros, Trevino, Chapman, Marinaccio, Britton, Schmidt, and Litge. Um, Greg Weissert was sent down. There technically, I guess, is a chance that he could come back. I don't think he's really someone they're expecting to consider for the playoff roster. Um, Miguel Castro had been making rehab appearances. I haven't heard any buzz about him. Um, Wandy Peralta is, of course, on the IL. I think he has to come back and take someone's spot. Uh, there was a rumor today that the Yankees are open to... Uh, DFAing Chapman, I think, you know, just switch out Chapman for Wandy and take those guys and you kind of might have it figured out. But I don't know if I see a roster that doesn't have Domingo Herman or Frankie Montas on it. So where do you come down on how the Yankees put together uh, a staff of 13 pitchers? So sorry, you're the, the nine guys you listed didn't have Herman. The nine guys I listed did not have Herman. He's in the rotation right now. So, yeah. If you, yeah, so I, the fact that we heard about Chapman potentially getting DFA'd was actually shocking because I feel like we have never heard anything like that. Not that there's ever been a yeah. chance, but this is like the first time there's been smoke around the fact that like he maybe might not make it, which is, I mean, it's just statements, but I feel like he his rope is gone. I mean, he's he got pulled in that Boston game 
and he's basically pitched low leverage innings and that is not at all you know if they were if they were using him in any kind of important situations I would say okay like you know we don't like him but he's going to be on but this is a a new realm for the Chapman um, Mm -hmm. usage that I think actually makes me believe it could happen I I feel like so I I do th- I mean Wandy's going to be on and I think Herman is going to be on and I feel like I think you can like the easy thing that's sticking out to me right now is you just switch out Chapman and Britain yeah. for Wandy and Herman. Right. That's what I was going to say. I think, you know, whatever happens with Britain, I think they hold him in reserve and maybe if I mean, it's so easy to see somebody getting hurt, you know, like mm-hmm. and just plugging Britain in. I think you almost need some guys like that like it's more fair to Britain to say that than to tell like Greg Weissert he has to basically like be ready to go for yeah. a month. Um, so I think Britain is logical to me to have in that reserve role. And could they do that with Chapman? Because that was another interesting thing. They didn't say leave Chapman off the playoff roster. They said DFA Chapman. And which makes you think, why wouldn't they just leave him off the playoff roster and, you know, maybe like keep him in reserve? I guess the only situation where you're DFAing Chapman is in the event that a guy comes off the 60 day, 60. which it, would right. be Miguel Castro. I, I, there's no way Miguel Castro is going to be in the playoffs. I agree. So I don't, I don't really get it. Uh, personally, right. I wouldn't have Chapman in the reserve no. role because we know how he is when he hasn't pitched in a while. Right. Whereas um, Britain's been like basically rehabbing him. He could just continue to do that. Also, I exactly. think he's realistic. Um, I could see there is a world in which I could see Schmidt also not not being left off the roster. Yep, I think I that's agree. the other. You know, if they want to keep Chapman, I think you that's what's going to happen. And you know, I have mixed feelings about that one, but I think Herman is on almost no questions asked. Yeah, Schmidt has been bad at the wrong time. Um, if you listen to Boone's press conference, he said he really felt like it's only one bad outing. Uh, the one against Boston. Um where he gave up three hits and four runs and two homers. Um, But then, you know, he came back two days later and pitched a scoreless inning, a one-two-three inning, which was great. Um, Boone didn't really think that Schmidt's performance against Milwaukee was very bad. You know, he got some strikeouts in just two and a third innings. He gave up a homer to, I think, Rowdy Telez. Like, Boone basically said, like, that is what it is. Um... It's it's tough because like Schmidt has great stuff. It you know really feels like he can make an impact. I don't really know what to make of the Britain situation. Obviously, I'm not going to read too far into one outing where he struck a guy out, walked three others, allowed a hit. Like it's it was one outing. Um, and I don't I don't know the if the Yankees would consider DFAing Chapman, then. There's it doesn't really feel like there's an argument that he should be on the playoff roster, but we know how much they historically have liked him. I don't know. It's going to be weird. It's going to be something else to monitor. It's just like, where does he pitch? Because you're basically going to have a guy on the playoff roster who has no you're you're not using him in high leverage situations. You're probably not using him in medium leverage. And so is his role like Lucas Licky's role? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. I don't even trust him to do that because he can't give length and he can't go more than an inning without walking the bases loaded. Um, so it's like at some point, like where is he going to pitch and why are we carrying a pitcher on the playoff roster who doesn't have any foreseeable role outside of mop up time. And it's just a yeah. different situation than we've been in with Chapman because I think usually people are sour, sour on Chapman, but it's when, you know, he is wild, but he has been pitching really well that year and you know they're going to give him innings, and he just hasn't been good all year. So with any other player, I mean, this would be such an easy question. It's so frustrating that it's you know comes down to this, but I don't know. I have I have a little bit of optimism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess he did pitch, albeit poorly, in the eighth inning of a close game the last time we saw him, which at this point was four days ago. Uh, he got the win uh, in the walk-off grand slam game uh albeit not at all that competitive a time like it's just been weird but he pitched terribly that game like yes he should have been pulled so that's i mean 
there's just been there's been no. Oh no, I didn't mean the I didn't mean the Donaldson one. But although oh, he did oh. also win that game, he has won both walk off grand. Fair enough. Games. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> if you're gonna point to that do- the Donaldson game, I'm like, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, it's it's just been weird, and the Yankees do historically like to have a mop up guy on the playoff roster. But as we said, like that's Lucas Lickey. So. Uh, there's not really a role that fits Chapman. All right, Whipple, we've covered a lot of stuff, including our being the main character of Twitter today. Um, As you know, we always wrap up with our confidence. It's been steadily rising uh, over the past couple weeks. I'm interested to see where you land today. So, yeah, so it's been a overall largely good week. I mean, really no negative parts about the week. Um. And last week I was at a nine and we've talked a lot about what the Yankees have done well this week. And I mean, I'm just, I feel like I'm kind of stuck now because I feel the same way I did uh, like the minute they crossed that barrier, I guess this week they did secure the division, but I think last week I was operating under the mindset that as long as they played well, they were going to be fine. And I don't know if I can be at like a perfect 10 as we were early in the season, because this team is playing really well and it's going to hopefully win over a hundred games, but I feel like there still are some, some holes, some areas to question, but largely it's going to be a very good team. I don't know if anything, the rest of the year is really going to change the way I feel about the team. I don't think I can go back to that perfect 10, but I think I'm going to go to the 9.5. I think, I feel like that's where I'm going to enter the playoffs at a feeling as good as I've felt about a Yankees team in the last three years. And as I said, these next few weeks are just playoff setup and it doesn't really matter what they do until then. Even if they lose like half of their games at this point, it doesn't matter. They're kind of locked in. It's just about getting guys healthy. I I don't think, I think the perfect 10 is reserved for that team. That's unstoppable. And I know at what point I would give them a perfect 10. I think we all probably know where, when we would get that feeling in the potential playoff run. Um, but it's it's not going to come until if and when they get to that point. So I think a 9.5 is where I'll stay. That'll probably be where I sit for the rest of the year. And that's a lot better than last year, which I think every week was, you know, a question of life and death. Now it's it's nice to have a little bit of time to just sit back and prepare for hopefully a, a lengthy October run. Yeah, uh, I, I think I'm going to go up to a nine and a half as well. Uh, I've been a little lower than you in recent weeks, but um, the Yankees showed me everything I need to see this week. Uh, they scored runs even without the fully healthy lineup. Uh, they came back in a couple games where they needed to come back. Uh, they you know won on a couple of walk-offs, which is always fun. They basically sealed the division. Um, I... It, as far as I'm concerned, helped that Frankie Montes went on the IL. I'm tired of that guy. Uh, I I feel really good about this team. They've shown an ability to score runs. Uh, I do need to see better performances out of the bullpen, but I really believe in those guys, like especially Jonathan Lewisaga, Ron Marinaccio. Um, like I think I think they're very good. Um, Wandy, when he comes back, uh, you know he definitely could just be getting a break here. Uh, we haven't heard anything about like serious severity of his injury um yeah well, one quick thing on the wandy thing i meant to say this before i feel like they just kind of like knew who was banged up and yeah. they're like do you care if you go on the aisle like that's because it got one of the guys back without sending someone down so 100 percent agree and i meant to say that before so sorry yeah no i i i think that's definitely what's at work there so like there are guys that i trust did i know that it was going to be those guys that I would trust at the end of the season in April? No, but look, that's how that's how baseball seasons go. I don't think we knew we'd be so excited about potentially getting Matt Carpenter back into the lineup. Um, and I just feel like, regardless of how embattled Garrett Cole has been or the home runs he's given up, uh, or you know, regardless of kind of any of the outside noise, I think when a team is going into the playoffs ready to start. Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, and Nestor Cortez, who's been a top five pitcher in baseball for the last two seasons, uh, with an offense led by Aaron Judge, with Glaber Torres hot at the right time, uh, with you know Giancarlo Stanton looming, um, you just have to feel good about that team. And they've played really well this month. Uh, 
And I'm, I'm just very excited to see where things go. As I've said this whole time, I think people should be more excited about this team. I think they should be getting more respect than they are. And I'm perfectly happy for them to go into the playoffs underrated because uh, I know what I think this team is going to achieve. I think they have that belief in themselves, and I think they have all the pieces necessary to pull that off. And I think we're going to have a really fun fall here. So people can keep up with us, as always, at YankeesFiles.com. They can follow us on Twitter. We are at YankeesFiles. And our podcast, of course, is available wherever anyone gets their podcasts. Uh, If you enjoy the pod, we hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe. If you don't enjoy it, we hope you'll just subscribe uh, and make sure you know when these new episodes are coming out. Whipple, uh, that's it for me. Any parting shots from you? In their last three games, Garrett Cole... ERA, 6.35. Jacob deGrom, ERA, 6.60. The narratives stay winning. Garrett Cole, best pitcher in New York at, between the two of them. <laughs> You're hearing it more and more. Uh, Whipple, enjoyed it as always. We'll be back same time, same place next week to hopefully be celebrating the American League East Division champion New York Yankees. Until then, let's go Yankees. <laughs>